Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 37, recorded on October 23rd, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. All right. Getting right into it, market update from last week, stocks surged and U.S. Treasury yields fell Friday after Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco President Mary Daly said future interest rate increases could come in smaller increments to achieve the Fed's target neutral rate. While the Fed seems set to again lift its benchmark rate by 75 basis points at the November policy meeting, There may be some debate among Fed officials over whether to slow down aggressive rate hikes thereafter. Shares of SNAP plunged Friday after a disappointing quarterly report, but more than 70% of S&P 500 companies so far have reported a, quote, positive surprise in terms of earnings per share. The major market indexes all scored their biggest weekly percentage gains since June, with the S&P 500 finishing up 4.8% for the week, the Dow Jones rising 4.9%, and the NASDAQ composite popping 5.2%. Looking ahead, earnings reports will pour in at warp speed next week, with every sector sending in heavyweights to spill numbers. The blockbuster reports from Apple, Amazon, Microsoft are being given the best chance to give investors a positive break from the unrelenting inflation and interest rate news cycle. Meanwhile, Intel's spinoff of Mobileye Global through an IPO is also expected to generate plenty of buzz. And Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter is closing on its deadline date, October 28th, with plenty of drama still in the mix. Moving again, moving ahead here with Bitcoin news, have several articles to go over this week. Um, first one here is from Bitcoin.com. Uh, this was published today and it is entitled Investment Strategist Discusses Bitcoin Entering Unstoppable Maturation Stage. It says price should continue to rise. Uh, Bloomberg Intelligence's senior commodity strategist, Mike McGlone, provided his outlook for Bitcoin this week. Citing rising demand, increased adoption, and regulation, he tweeted Wednesday, Bitcoin may be entering an inexorable phase of its migration into the mainstream and at a relatively discounted price. In another tweet, he noted, The declining supply of Bitcoin, adding Bitcoin's definable diminishing supply is unprecedented on a global scale. And so prices should continue to rise over time unless something unlikely reverses demand and adoption trends, given the laws of supply and demand. He also tweeted, Bitcoin may be entering unstoppable maturation stage. The strategist elaborated the fact that Bitcoin didn't exist in October 2007 when WTI crude oil rose to its current $84 a barrel for the first time, may indicate the appreciation advantage of the nascent technology. In a world rapidly going digital, the benchmark crypto is gaining value as a unique alternative asset. 
and global collateral that's no one's liability or responsibility, McGlone continued. It makes sense for one of the best performing assets of the past decade to drop with the most aggressive Federal Reserve tightening in about 40 years, but rising demand and adoption, declining supply, and a steep relative price discount point to risk-reward leaning favorably, the Bloomberg intelligence strategist opined, concluding, returning to its propensity to outperform most assets may be a matter of time. As mainstream adoption progresses and adaptive changes in U.S. accounting standards give it a lift. Uh, so nice positive piece there. Um, moving on uh, to, and by the way, I totally agree with everything that uh, they said in this article. I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, certainly a lot of what I've been talking about on this podcast. Uh, next up is, uh, this is also from Bitcoin.com, also published today. Bitcoin now less volatile than NASDAQ and S&P 500. Stock markets more reactive to inflation, strong dollar, rate hikes, energy crisis. And, and again, on Bitcoin volatility, this was uh, pretty much the subject of last week's podcast, if you didn't catch it. Uh, and also my blog post last week. Um, Bitcoin has become less volatile than both the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, according to cryptocurrency data provider Kaiko, CNBC reported. The crypto data firm explained Friday that Bitcoin's 20-day rolling volatility has dropped below that of the two stock indexes for the first time since 2020. Clara Medali, Keiko's head of research told the news outlet, Bitcoin volatility is at multi-year lows, while equity volatility is only at its lowest level since July. Equity markets have certainly been volatile over the past few months due to high inflation and appreciating dollar, rising interest rates, and the ongoing war and energy crisis, she continued. Analysts expect the Federal Reserve to hike interest rates by 75 basis points for a fourth straight meeting in November, However, San Francisco Federal Reserve President Mary Daly said Friday that it is time to start considering slowing interest rate hikes. The Daily further detailed, the data suggests that cryptocurrency markets are less reactive to volatile macro events than they were earlier on in the year, whereas equity markets have remained highly sensitive. In addition, Keiko said, Monday that the gap between Bitcoin and equities 30-day and 90-day volatilities has also been shrinking since the second half of September, despite Bitcoin's heightened sensitivity to macroeconomic data releases. The data firm elaborated, Bitcoin has shown resilience to a strengthening U.S. dollar and surging treasury yields, trading in a narrow range. And again, talked about that last week, but it's uh, pretty striking. And certainly, uh, if you're holding Bitcoin, you're you're pretty happy that it's uh, it's not bouncing around as much as the bond market or, or the stock market uh, lately. Um, even if you did get in at a higher price point, um, certainly not a good time to sell right now, in my opinion. Okay, next, uh, also from Bitcoin.com, this was published uh, on October, let's see, three days ago, so it was on the 20th. 
Uh, Robert Kiyosaki says, U.S. dollar is toast, citing Saudi Arabia's request to join the BRICS. The author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, is back with another dire warning about the U.S. dollar. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a 1997 book co-authored by Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. It has been on the New York Times bestseller list for over six years. More than 32 million copies of the book have been sold in over 51 languages across more than 109 countries. The famous author tweeted Wednesday, Bye-bye, U.S. dollar. Saudi Arabia officially joins BRICS. 1974, U.S. dollar became petrodollar. Day after Biden pulled out of Afghanistan, Saudis began negotiations with Russia and China. U.S. dollar toast buy gold, silver, Bitcoin. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa reportedly said during an interview at the South African Broadcasting Corporation Tuesday that Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman Al Saud has expressed the kingdom's desire to be part of the BRICS. Ramaphosa recently returned from an official visit to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia's capital city. The BRICS nations are Russia, China, India, Brazil, and South Africa. The president of South Africa was quoted as saying, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman expressed the kingdom's desire to join the BRICS. In 2023, the BRICS summit will be held under the South African presidency, and this request will be studied. Several countries are in contact with the BRICS, and we've assured them that the accession issue will be discussed and a decision will be made, Ramaphosa explained. If Saudi Arabia joins BRICS, it would be a promotion to the Middle East countries to strengthen their ties with BRICS countries and weaken the intervention and influence of the U.S. in the area. A Beijing-based international relations expert reportedly told Global Times Wednesday. Many others share the sentiment. If Saudi Arabia joins BRICS, it will be another strategic blow to the American empire. BRICS Plus can launch a democratic and commodity-backed global currency to challenge the U.S. dollar, a Twitter user wrote. During the BRICS summit in July, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced that the BRICS economies plan to issue a, quote, new global reserve currency. Analysts believe the BRICS move to create a reserve currency is an attempt to undermine the U.S. dollar and the International Monetary Fund's special drawing rights. Kiyosaki has been predicting the end of the U.S. dollar for quite some time. Earlier this month, he said the U.S. dollar will crash by January next year. Last month, he said the end of fake money is here. The renowned author previously explained that when President Richard Nixon removed the U.S. dollar from the gold standard in 1971, the U.S. dollar became fake money. Last week, he warned about World War III. Kiyosaki believes that the Federal Reserve raising interest rates will destroy the U.S. economy. The Rich Dad Poor Dad author has urged investors to get into crypto now before the biggest economic crash in world history happens. It's always interesting to hear from him. Uh, moving on, next article here is, uh, this was posted uh, two days ago. Uh, this is also on Bitcoin.com. So there's several really good articles uh, there this week. Uh, this one is entitled, Observers Suspect an Aggressive Fed Rate Hike Next Month. Analysts Predicts Fed Will Pivot in December. It seems pretty certain that the U.S. Federal Reserve will raise the federal funds rate by roughly 75 basis points, according to various reports in CME's FedWatch tool. 
That's despite the fact that politicians in a recent United Nations Conference on Trade and Development report have urged the Fed to slow down. Analysts from the investment bank Barclays explained this week that the central bank may have to slow down or stop monetary tightening by eliminating balance sheet reductions. CME's FedWatch tool indicates the chance of a 75 basis point jump is around 98% today. And a report from the New York Times published on October 18th says uh, Federal Reserve officials have coalesced around a plan to raise interest rates by three quarters of a point next month. The New York Times report further explains that the conversation about whether to scale back is now more likely to happen in December. Other reports indicate that futures markets investors have fully priced in a number of FFR increases that will reach 5% by May 2023. The president of the Philadelphia Fed, Patrick Harker, explained on Thursday that he envisions the FFR well above 4% by 2022's end. After that, if we have to, we can tighten further based on the data, Financial Times reports. But we should let the system work itself out. And we also need to recognize that this will take time. Inflation is known to shoot up like a rocket and then come down like a feather, Harker added. Uh, Financial Times report further quotes Neil Kashkari, president of Minneapolis Fed, speaking at a panel about a rate rising past 5%, cash carry said, if we don't see progress in underlying inflation or core inflation, I don't see why I would advocate stopping at four and a half or 4.75 or something like that. We need to see actual progress in core inflation and services inflation, and we're not seeing it yet. The analyst and author at investors.com, Jed Graham says that while a 75 basis point hike is in the cards for November, A Federal Reserve pivot is coming in December, according to his premise. Graham's report surmises that the Fed won't pivot until the labor market shows signs of cracking. But once the job market appears to be rolling over, everything will change. Graham insists that while an overheated job market gives the Fed leverage to be more aggressive, jumbo rates won't fly when the job market has already lost steam. (coughs) Graham's FFR Outlook report adds, However, the outlook also depends on how financial markets act between now and then. If the fledgling stock market rally continues and global bond and currency markets step back from the brink, that would tend to give the Federal Reserve more flexibility to keep hiking. The combination of market distress and a fading labor market could hold the Fed to a quarter point hike in December, and that might be the last one. Since the onslaught of interest rate hikes from the Fed, interest rates on various loans in America have followed suit. For example, a 30-year fixed rate mortgage in the United States is currently 7.896%, according to bankrate.com. The Federal Reserve will meet on Wednesday, November 2nd to address the FFR and share the central bank's economic plans. So, zooming out uh, from all this, it's pretty ridiculous that um, a small group of people sets the pricing for one of the most important prices in the economy, which is interest rates. And yet that's what they do. And they've held it at a very low level for a very long time, which mispriced lots of assets, created all kinds of malinvestment. And now they're raising the rates, not necessarily what the market rate should be. It's just what what they think it should be. And now there's chaos and mayhem. 
And then just the hint of them, not even cutting rates, but not raising as rapidly caused the market to rally on Friday. Um, so uh, if that doesn't tell you how messed up the markets are, um, I don't know what will, <laughs> but uh, it's definitely uh, interesting. And therefore, you know, anybody that's in the stock market is simply watching what the Fed says and uh, what the speakers say, and that's how they invest. So if they're raising rates, uh, basically you're, you're short, and if they're cutting rates, then you're long, and that's, in a nutshell, um, what investing has turned into. Moving on, uh, this here, this article's from Cointelegraph, um, and this was updated, looks like today and is entitled Kazakhstan among the top three Bitcoin mining destinations after the US and China. For over a year, the oil-rich Central Asian country of Kazakhstan has maintained its position as the third biggest contributor to Bitcoin mining after surpassing Russia back in February 2021. As of January 2022, Kazakhstan contributed to 13.22% of the total Bitcoin hash rate, positioned right after the historical leaders of the United States at 37.84% and China, 21.11% as shown. Uh, and there's a little chart and I'll include links to all these articles uh, as I normally do uh, in the show notes. Along similar timelines, Cambridge Center for Alternative Finance data estimated that Kazakhstan's absolute hash rate contribution monthly average was 24.8 exahashes per second. Meanwhile, the U.S. and China contributed 71 exahashes per second and 39.6 exahashes per second, respectively. The International Energy Agency, which is co-funded by the European Union, highlighted Kazakhstan's heavy reliance on non-renewable energy, such as oil, over 50%, coal, 28%, and natural gas, 17%, until 2020. The study revealed most coal is used for electricity and heat generation, while most oil is used by final consumers, particularly in road transport. However, the top three countries contributing to the Bitcoin hash rate continue to eat away at the share of other players, such as Malaysia, Germany, and Iran. Kazakhstan was amongst the first to welcome the displaced Chinese miners when the Chinese government imposed a blanket ban on Bitcoin and crypto mining and trading. China resumed mining operations in September 2022, but the temporary mining ban stripped the country's position as the biggest Bitcoin mining hub, placing the United States at the top ever since. <clears throat> Local reports from Kazakhstan highlighted the country's intent to legalize a mechanism for converting cryptocurrencies to fiat. Speaking at the International Forum Digital Bridge 2022, President Kasim Jamar Tokayev shared his vision to make Kazakhstan a leader in the field of digital technology, cryptocurrency ecosystem, and regulated mining. We are ready to go further. If this financial instrument shows its further relevance and security, it will receive full legal recognition, Tokayev stated. And then there's been a lot of talk lately about the hash rate uh, because it um, continues to go higher and higher. And what happens is the difficulty adjustment also 
gets higher and higher, meaning it's harder to earn Bitcoin when you solve a block, uh, which is making it uh, much harder on the miners to be profitable. So their energy costs are going up, but their ability to mine Bitcoins um, easily is going down. So a lot of people are predicting there's going to be some shakeout in the Bitcoin mining space and some companies are going to be acquired by other stronger competitors that have um, better access to cheap energy and, uh, um, you know, more scalable operations. So it should be interesting to see what happens in that space. But in the meantime, the network's never been more secure. So that's, that's always good news. Uh, next here, we have this also from to Coin Telegraph. This was uh, published yesterday. Spain overtakes El Salvador to become third largest crypto ATM hub. The European country of Spain is officially home to the third largest network of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency ATMs after the United States and Canada. Spain currently hosts 215 crypto ATMs, pushing El Salvador with 212 crypto ATMs down to the fourth position after surpassing the country by three crypto ATMs. Data from Coin ATM Radar confirms that Spain represents 0.6% of the global crypto ATM installations. Moreover, the revelation places Spain as the highest contributor to crypto ATMs in Europe, which represents uh, 14.65 percent of total installations on the continent, followed by Switzerland, 144, Poland, 142, and Romania, 135. In 2022 alone, Spain installed 43 crypto ATMs and has previously shared its intent to install a total of over 100 ATMs by the end of the year, taking up the total to nearly 300 crypto ATMs once completed. Media Market, a German electronics retailer, and Confinity, among others, are leading the drive to install crypto ATMs across Austria, Germany, Spain, and Greece. On the contrary, global crypto ATM installations saw negative growth since September 2022 and are on the path of slow recovery at the time of this writing. Calculations based on data from the last 60 days show that around seven crypto ATMs are being installed daily worldwide. <clears throat> Greece takes the sixth spot in terms of cryptocurrency ATMs, and with the influx of tourists, Bitcoin ATM operator Bcash shared insights on the usage statistics in the country. Speaking to Cointelegraph, Bcash manager, director, and co-founder Demetrius Tsangalis re revealed that despite installing crypto ATMs in tourist hotspots, most usage comes from the main city area. However, the island of Crete attracts a very loyal cryptocurrency crowd, as explained by Tsangaletis. There is a strong crypto community in Heracleon of Crete, which is the location of one of our ATMs. Uh, a combination of crypto winter and tourist seasons has resulted in a slowdown in terms of regular traffic in crypto ATM usage. I haven't personally ever used a crypto ATM, but I... I guess if you have fiat currency, you can put it in there and it'll convert it to Bitcoin and send it to your wallet. Um, I'm assuming you can also convert Bitcoin into fiat and take it out as well. But um, it's just another way uh, for you to exchange your, your currency. And I guess in some countries, it's very helpful to have that.
And moving on, uh, next article here is uh, from Coindesk. It's an op-ed piece by George Kaloudis. Uh, this was published today. Uh, crypto means absolutely nothing without censorship resistance. Censorship resistance is fundamental to any functioning cryptocurrency or blockchain project. It's been a pillar of crypto from the start. One of the biggest reasons the whole movement got started. What it means is this, as long as a participant in the Bitcoin or whatever network follows the predetermined technical criteria to construct a valid transaction, then nobody, not the cops, not your nosy neighbor, should be able to prevent that. So there's zero surprise that Sam Bankman-Fried, the crypto billionaire known as SBF, kicked up controversy when the FTX founder and CEO published an article last week on crypto regulation. He talked about implementing block lists, aka a roster of wallet addresses banned from interacting with the blockchain because they're suspected of being used for nefarious purposes. And relatedly, respecting the U.S. Office of Foreign Asset Control's sanctions list by maintaining an on-chain list of the sanctioned addresses maintained by either OFAC or by a responsible actor. Here's the problem. Removing censorship resistance defeats the entire purpose and value proposition of cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is supposed to be about banking the unbanked, about granting open access to financial tools, about empowering otherwise unempowered people. There's nothing valuable in remaking the same financial system which caused these problems in the first place with a new fancy crypto wrapper that openly welcomes censorship just because it is new and fancy. Yet even as SBF talks about how things should go down the line, censorship resistance is already being undermined. Just look at the news on Ethereum where following the merge, more than half the blocks in one 24-hour period recently were processed in accordance with OFAC compliance recommendations. While there's no shortage of cynics who claim that cryptocurrency is a giant Ponzi scheme, we've seen enough anecdotal and empirical evidence to support the idea that Bitcoin is actually valuable and useful. But I believe one of the main reasons Bitcoin is only valuable and useful is because it's censorship resistant. To SBF's credit, he does include an important hedge to his proposal, writing that all of commerce breaks down if you require and allow lists to transact. This is completely true. Imagine having to prove who you were to buy anything at all. He also added a reasonable sounding point that I think a lot of people would agree with. He writes that maintaining the presumptive freedom of peer-to-peer -peer transfers and decentralized blockchains, unless there's specific evidence of a scam, illicit finance, etc., is absolutely necessary. A lot of people would agree with this statement because on the surface, all this means is that good people should be allowed to transact freely and bad people should not. The problem is that aside from the obvious examples of badness, like say cold-blooded murder or something, the definitions of good and bad shift depending on who is making the rules, which I totally agree with. All that is to say, the thing that remains when you remove censorship resistance from crypto is hardly something to get excited about. For lack of a better way to write it, I'll defer to a tweet by Bennett Tomlin from Protos and the Crypto Critics Corner podcast who summed up this viewpoint succinctly, writing, if crypto lacks censorship resistance, then it's just gambling and schemes. 
I think this is exactly correct and an accurate characterization of crypto without censorship resistance. While there still might be money to be made in the casino-like rug-pulled fridges of the cryptocurrency world, I find it unlikely that investors would be excited to line up to champion that value proposition. Crypto means absolutely nothing without censorship resistance. But of course, we should take this at least one step further. Censorship resistance without privacy also doesn't really matter. And that has been an issue with transparent networks like Bitcoin, which is very critically not anonymous. Bitcoin maintains a public ledger of transactions complete with identifying addresses and balances. It is quite literally the opposite of anonymous, especially if you're new to using the network. This is something we saw in February 2022 when Canadian truckers protested a vaccine mandate. While the protesters were able to receive funds via Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other networks, the transparency of these blockchains made it practically impossible for the protesters to withdraw that money for fear of the Canadian government freezing or suspending their bank accounts. So sure, it's true that someone can send me Bitcoin even though the government doesn't want me to receive it. That's because the Bitcoin network is censorship resistant. But if the government can trace the transaction and see that the Bitcoin came from you to me, then it could do something about the fact that I did receive funds from you outside of the Bitcoin network. We need censorship resistance and we need privacy. And again, I couldn't agree more. Okay, and then the last article I've got this week is uh, from Crypto News. And this was published on October 21st. And this is uh, entitled Bitcoin Technology, Five Bitcoin Network Developments You Should Know About. Bitcoin technology has evolved significantly since its launch. Bitcoin is continuously being developed as the community strives to improve privacy and scalability. The original Bitcoin client, Bitcoin Core, is currently on version 23.0. And indicating that a lot has been happening behind the scenes. There were a total of 37 GitHub releases at the time of writing. Read on to learn about five Bitcoin technology developments geared toward helping Bitcoin achieve its full potential. Over the years, many Bitcoin improvement proposals or BIPs have been presented to the community proposing various ways to improve the network. Some have been approved and implemented while others have been rejected. Bitcoin core developers and more than 800 contributors participate in the development process of Bitcoin. Here's a list of the top five Bitcoin technology improvements you should know about. First one is SegWit. Segregated Witness SegWit is a Bitcoin upgrade that was implemented in August 2017 through a soft fork. It addresses transaction malleability and increases the rate of validation by storing more transactions in a block. SegWit paved the way for the Lightning Network and the Taproot upgrade. SegWit was proposed in 2015 by Bitcoin developer Peter Wool. The SegWit upgrade elicited a war within the Bitcoin community before it was even activated. The community members that were against this change forked to the Bitcoin blockchain to establish Bitcoin Cash. SegWit takes out the witness data from within a block, minimizing the transaction size and creating more space within a block. Therefore, blocks can hold about 2,700 transactions after SegWit in contrast to an estimated 1,650 transactions before the upgrade. <clears throat> Witness data is the second part of a transaction that comprises transaction signatures. The first part of the transaction contains the wallet addresses of the sender and receiver. 
SegWit also fixed transaction malleability, a term that refers to the possibility that part of a transaction can be altered after a transaction has been signed without invalidating the signature. The second phase of this upgrade, SegWit 2x, was not initiated because it was rejected. The goal of SegWit 2x was to raise the block size to 2 megabytes. SegWit adoption rose sharply in 2021 and has been steadily rising since. The time of writing SegWit adoption on the transaction level was 84%. Next is the Lightning Network. The Lightning Network is a Layer 2 payment protocol built on top of the Bitcoin blockchain. It was proposed by researchers Thaddeus Dreija and Joseph Poon in 2015. Their paper was based on Satoshi Nakamoto's ideas on payment channels and the forum discussions he had about them. In 2016, Dry Poon built Lightning Labs, a company that would focus on the development of Lightning Network. They released the beta version of Lightning Network in 2018. The Lightning Network uses smart contract functionality, enabling users to make instant microtransactions off-chain. Payments take place inside payment channels, multi-signature contracts, allowing two parties to transact with each other. Lightning Network offers remarkably low fees because transacting and settling occur off-chain. It can potentially handle billions of transactions per second, thereby solving Bitcoin's scalability problem. The Lightning Network isn't perfect, though. It has issues that are continuously being solved. Some of the solutions in progress are route blinding and trampoline onion routing. Route blinding, for example, aims to improve the recipient's privacy. Lightning Network's capacity has grown in 2022 despite the bear market. It surpassed 5,000 BTC in October 2022. This is the cumulative capacity that all Lightning Network nodes hold. Companies are also investing a lot of money in the Lightning Network. For instance, Strike, a uh, Lightning Network digital payment provider, raised $80 million in a fundraising round led by 1031. Next is Taproot. Taproot is a Bitcoin upgrade deployed in November 2021 via a soft fork. It enhances privacy, reduces fees, improves smart contract functionality, and makes Bitcoin transactions cheaper, more efficient, and more private. Taproot was proposed by software developer Gregory Maxwell in 2018. Thanks to the upgrade, multi-sig transactions, transactions that require two or more parties to sign off for them to go through can be batched together and verified. This boosts the time it takes to validate complex multi-signature transactions, which were notoriously slow before Taproot was implemented. Also, the Taproot upgrade benefits Lightning users by easing network congestion on the Bitcoin base layer. Lightning network transactions are verified on the Bitcoin blockchain, which could cause congestion with Taproot. However, the Lightning Network becomes more efficient in processing transactions. Taproot offers privacy because it can disguise multi-signature transactions as single-signature transactions. This makes it difficult to identify the participating parties on the blockchain. The use of Taproot is optional, which means its adoption will grow gradually. As of this writing, only about 1% of all Bitcoin transactions were using Taproot. Next is the Liquid Network. The Liquid Network is a Bitcoin sidechain that enables private Bitcoin transactions targeted at large counterparties in the Bitcoin ecosystem. 
It also permits the settlement and issuance of stable coins, security tokens, and other financial assets on a side chain that is tied to Bitcoin's blockchain. Blockstream is the company behind the Liquid Network, which went live in 2018. A federation of distributed members operates Liquid. These members range from exchanges and financial institutions to Bitcoin-focused companies. A few of the members listed on the Liquid website are Shopo, Wire, Bitfinex, CoinShares, Huobi, Ledger, and Paymium. Users peg Bitcoin to redeem it for LBTC, which is backed by Bitcoin on a one-to-one ratio, enabling them to perform confidential transactions and enjoy faster transaction speeds and low-cost fees. Unfortunately, the low adoption of the network reduces the effectiveness of the privacy feature because there's virtually no crowd using it. Also, the federated model is somewhat centralized, giving the liquid network set of trust assumptions that are different from Bitcoin. And then last uh, is Fediment. Federated Mint, Fediment, is a Bitcoin sidechain that solves the privacy and custody problems with Bitcoin. Privacy is minimal because Bitcoin transactions are visible to everyone and most people are still storing their Bitcoin with third parties like exchanges, putting their funds at risk. The open source protocol Fediment solves these two challenges by providing privacy and a lower lower risk custody solution. It uses a Byzantine fault tolerant or BFT consensus algorithm for security purposes and trust is split over several parties in a federated mint. When users send Bitcoin to these mints, they receive eCash tokens. They can then send the tokens to other users within the mint privately because other members will not know which parties are transacting with one another. Fediment permits users to give federated mints custody over their Bitcoin. They can do this by trusting certain members of the Mint to act as guardians. The role of guardians is to offer custody services via Fediment servers. Fediment development is still in progress. The project has garnered support from 1031, Blockstream, Spiral, and the Human Rights Foundation. Fediment is interoperable with the Lightning Network. Fediment privacy can be improved by a flexible round-optimized Schnorr threshold, or FROST. This is a new type of multi-sig that provides privacy while making federations more flexible. <clears throat> it was introduced in a 2020 paper by Chelsea Comlo and Ian Goldberg. The Bitcoin technology developments discussed above could expand Bitcoin's potential considerably, thereby making the cryptocurrency more useful in the near future. The developments are also a reminder to Bitcoin newcomers that there's more to this project than simply buying and holding coins for a potential profit. Bitcoin developers are working to build sound money that anyone across the globe can access and use digitally without censorship or bureaucratic barriers to entry. So uh, really quite fascinating what's going on in the Bitcoin space. Lots of new developments and and a lot of money is being um, deployed there. So, uh, you know, again, utility of the network and adoption look like it will be very positive going into the future. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com, and you can follow me on Twitter 
My handle there is at Nick Reichert. I will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.